Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How goes it? It's going good, man. We made it. We made it we one did, year. Un, un año, man. Just like, just one full, <laughs> like, like one full Earth passing around the sun, man. Yes. Although all of our hard credibility has been undone by un año. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from. My, my, my Spanish is remedial at best. <laughs> Mistakes were made. Um, yeah. But this is exciting because we, we started our very first game. We technically launched with two games, but let's not nitpick. Um, <laughs> our, our very first game we played for Nostalgia Goggles was Super Mario World, mm-hmm. arguably one of the greatest Super Mario games ever made. Well, arguably, but I don't know who would argue against that. Like, I mean, it'd be one of those things where you you could do it, but the moment that somebody said, eh, you know, I just didn't like Super Mario World too much, it's like, I don't think we're ever going to be close friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure this conversation is over now and for all time. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought as a, uh, a way to, like, bring the first year of Nostalgia Goggles to a close, we would come back full circle, and we have played... Super Mario Brothers, the OG NES game. Yep. And it's uh it's almost kind of startling how similar they are. <laughs> like and yeah. not in a bad way, but there's a formula there that they rock hard. Well, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I mean I think that that's kind of one of the things that, you know, not to to reveal to her audience, you know, in advance of the end of the episode, what we thought about this game that's critically acclaimed and has lasted through the ages. You know, it's like somebody walking up to you being like, hey, physics professor, what do you think of math? It's like, oh, man, math. <laughs> Me but and no, math, I mean, we're like this. <laughs> but that's what makes Super Mario World a good game and a good sequel is that they didn't like just go back and completely retool the entire game. They took all of the existing fun and mechanics and things that worked, and then they added more stuff onto it that wasn't just designed by accretion where they just kept throwing news like Pokemon's become where now there's <laughs> like shinies. I don't even know what I, I mean. I know I just sound like old man George, but I don't even know what I mean. <laughs> no, I, 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 it does crack me up when people talk about Pokemon because that is the perfect example of a franchise that has had to continue to pile game mechanics on, right? Yep. And like, mm-hmm. not to just stop what we're supposed to be talking about to crap all over Pokemon, but let me crap right. all over Pokemon. <laughs> Every time a new Pokemon game comes out, the internet loses their freaking minds, and I'm like, oh man, I, I kind of, as a gamer, I feel a little bad that I like missed the Pokemon craze. And then all you have to do is read like one review or look at two paragraphs on like gamefaqs.com and just like I can't I cannot jump into this part of it, right? And I'm yeah. not willing to go back to the Game Boy. I know I'm not willing to cuz I tried, <laughs> I couldn't finish it. <laughs> so it's just like that that part of gaming and pop culture is just essentially cut off for me and I'm okay with it cuz I have Super Mario Brothers. Is true. And, and and that's the thing. And so, you know, going back and playing this game, I think that the thing that I pulled from it, and we'll go into it in every section of the game, but to kind of lead into our critique, is the thing that I pulled from it is there, there are some things that this game 
does that other games have built upon and refined, you know, but that they did where you're like, oh, this is kind of what started it or what it started as, you know? So it's kind of like seeing a perfect sphere now, but being like, oh, okay. So originally it was like a square and then they cut a few more sides into it and cut a few more sides into it. Now it's a sphere, but to see the square, you're like, oh, okay. So this is what they started with, which I thought was pretty fascinating, pretty neat. I agree. And and before we jump right into it, do you have specific nostalgia goggles for this? And and the reason I ask is, uh, I I think anyone who plays video games or even is just like aware of video game culture, Super Mario Brothers is so in your damn face all the time. It's woven into everything. They use the music and the sound effects in everything. Um, if you've played any of the newer games, like Super Mario Odyssey has a ton of 2D throwback stuff. Um, there's just like the Scott Pilgrim movie has a bunch of Super Mario sound effects. Like you, if you are aware at all that this game exists, it's hard to be away from it. So I'm just kind of curious, like, do you have specific memories of being a child and playing this that you can separate from just Super Mario Brothers as part of pop culture? Kind of. I mean, and 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 this story is actually not so much about Super Mario or, or Super Mario Brothers, the game itself, playing it. But what one of my literally, what no, is it oh, about God, the, no. <laughs> God, no, just. I mean, we, do you kill yourself or do I kill myself? Like, because I don't think we can I both su- exist anymore. I assume it's a murder suicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, which was uh, because I got this was like you know the game I got with my NES, right? You know. Uh, this although to be fair i think i had the this slash duck hunt game oh yeah know? the I, I don't think that version of super mario brothers was any different though so i i say it's the same yeah, yeah it, it, i mean it, i replaying it now i couldn't tell you any differences but what i do remember was my mom bless her heart desperately <laughs> struggling with the hardware trying to get it to plug into our big old tv because remember it had those like and you'd know what they are but those old cables that like screwed into the back Oh yeah, cable into that cable so that you could have cable, but you had to make sure it was on like channel three, and yeah. Oh man, uh, I don't remember what that thing was called, but those were dark times. They were when you had to have an electrical engineering degree just to hook up your video games. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So so I just I remember that like whole situation, especially because at one point my mom was like, "I don't know if this is happening," you know, like this. <laughs> Yeah, because I was so excited about it, but then, you know, got it and then got to play it. And so then the rest of it is just, you know, it's hard for me to separate out when or where or how I played it. But I remembered the first time, like, the the, the thing that started it at all. Because that was my first gaming system, man. This is what started it all. Yeah, so I have an older brother, and my father was into computers when he was a younger man. So I think they had, like, an Atari and like a ColecoVision or something in the house. And I mean, that vastly predates me. And then my older brother got a Nintendo um, when it was new. So he was like five or six and Mm. I was just around, but I mean, I was like a one-year-old, but the thing is that meant that the minute I was old enough to put my hands on that controller, it had already been around me literally as long as I could remember and longer. So I don't have the memory of like, opening the Super Nintendo on Christmas morning or for my birthday or, you know, however, like a lot of kids from that era have it, like it has always been. <laughs> so, so like when I think back to 
Super Mario Brothers, and I don't. I think we also had the combo cartridge like you had. I don't think we had mm-hmm. that and Duck Hunt separately because I don't remember Duck Hunt existing on its own. I think you. Yeah. I think no, you had I, to do the combo thing. I, I mean, at least that's that's all I remember is I remember you know playing Mario and then you know honestly using the the gun that came with Duck Hunt independent of the Duck Hunt game. Yeah. More often than not, <laughs> quite, quite and, a bit and more. Just, and and I could not have articulated it at the time, but playing Duck Hunt, I just remember feeling somehow mildly alone that my one ally in this endeavor was openly mocking me yeah he hated you, know? you. hated yeah. you so much so i didn't play that one a whole lot i played the <laughs> mario side of it a lot more because yeah. at least i knew i was alone in that game like i was me versus the world as opposed to no nah, man i'm just gonna go get these ducks for you <laughs> you suck and and that's the, exactly the thing is my memories of playing duck hunt are mostly negative because it, it, it's like an angry like you're shooting and like there's this stupid dog laughing at you and like the ducks move entirely too fast. And it's just like, (laughs) I remember playing that as a very small kid because of how frustrating it was, but I actually don't have a lot of clear memories of playing Mario. And that's kind of why I'm sure I was playing it at the same time when I was like, you know, two, three, four years old, because it has always been like, I have no, I can't remember ever having not had played it. Like my earliest memories of playing Mario are playing Mario again. So I must have already played it. So now this actually is tangentially related. So let's not follow this rabbit hole too far, but (laughs) no. So I I think that you could literally liken it to your literacy, which is to say that like not really being able to remember a time when you were completely illiterate, you can't remember a time when you weren't playing video games. Correct. Correct. So, and that's interesting because that affords you something that the game industry sometimes overlooks, which is game literacy, you know, in the sense that you are versed in game literacy the same way that you are versed in normal literacy. And so, therefore, to take somebody who's brand new to video games and then plop them down into video games now, it'd be like having somebody read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and they can't really, they've never even read Hop on Pop, you know? <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. And and this is something we've run into time and time again, where like when you get up to like the Super Nintendo era, you have good developers and bad developers, whereas in the Nintendo era and back, like, you know, arcade games and Atari games and stuff, like everyone was still figuring it out, right? So... Yeah. By the time you got to Super Nintendo era, there were developers that were smart enough to say, hey, this might be the first video game anyone has ever played, so we should be thoughtful about how we teach them to play the game. Whereas in the Nintendo era, they were probably assuming like, oh, anyone who's going to play a Nintendo surely has been to an arcade before. Why would they buy a Nintendo if they've never been to an arcade? So like there there were, you know, you can't really blame them in hindsight for making the decisions they made, but um and there, there's lots and lots of gushing to be had about teaching mechanics in this game, but we'll get to all of that, and we'll start with visuals like we always do. Yes. So, to visuals. Um, I hated them. They were awful. No, Some of were, the of worst graphics amazing. in gaming. Some some of the absolute worst. I mean, a guy with a mustache <laughs> and overalls, like, totally unbelievable. I mean, I mean, come on. What is this, 1980? <laughs> <laughs> Five. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I mean, I, of course, the visuals are, I mean, they're they're nest they're you know nest graphics so i mean there's there's only so much you can do as far as like you know uh i guess resolution but i mean as far as uh the visuals go i thought that so visuals for the sake of visuals very pleasing you know um enjoyable there was nothing that like 
you know, you it's kind of difficult to just talk about visuals for the sake of visuals because everything the game does with its visuals are in service to the mechanics, you know? Yeah, there's I can't think of a single time there's something on the screen like look at this thing we can just like the even in modern Mario games, they never say like, oh, we're going to just flex our graphics processing muscle and show you this amazing visual. Like, that's not what it's about. And it no. certainly was not about that at this time. <laughs> and not to, because we, we generally try to avoid referencing other episodes, but it's, it's the scars are still fresh in my mind from the Home Alone <laughs> game that we played, where we said we could not, I, I think this is a great juxtaposition, because in that one, we said we could not separate the visuals from the gameplay because the visuals were so atrocious that they couldn't help but impact gameplay. And this one, the visuals are so sublimely tied to <laughs> to the, the gameplay that, again, you cannot separate them, but this time in a good way, you know? Um, and so one of the things I, I just, I've been so excited to talk about because I actually remember, because this was one that we were actually able to play in the same room together, which was It's, it's true. We, we passed the controller back and forth and everything. Yep, it was yep, it was it was a blast and a half. Um but so I remember though like we were playing and like I paused it for a second and I was like, okay, wait. There is a background and a foreground. How come you can just so easily tell what you can and cannot interact with, right? And so and I actually had to sit there and like think about it for a while because we played games where it's not super obvious at all, you know? Like Hobo um, and Two Lost in New like, York. <laughs> Oh God. Um anyway, so then, you know, after some some reflection, I realized that everything that's in the foreground either A moves, right? Um, nothing in the background moves, you know? Or B, it actually has so everything in the background is either one or two colors, right? Two on the absolute most. And those are like the hills where everything's a one flat color, and then there's like two dots of black to say, like, hey, this is a tree. You know, like it's it's a hill, right? Um, everything in the foreground has generally at least two, but most of the time three colors to it. And the colors are interspersed in a much more detailed fashion. So your eyes naturally go to it. And there is just no question in your mind what is in the foreground as well as in the background. Because there's just, even with these this level of graphics, there's much more detail put into the things that are in the foreground that you can, in fact, interact with. And I think there's also, and I, I can't be 100% sure about this, but I think at most times, and certainly whenever possible, the background color choices are different colors than whatever's in the foreground. Because, like, the ground is not green like the hills are green. The ground right. is usually bricks or stone, you know, like when you're underground. And uh, when you're underground or underwater, there is no background. Like there's, right. and th it's a much flatter seeming environment because of that. But when you're in like a normal, normal above ground level, if there are things in the foreground, they're never that sky blue color. If there are right. things in the foreground, I don't even, I think the bushes that are like up close to you are the pipe green. Whereas the hills mm -hmm. that are in the background, I think are a darker green. And then there's the levels with like the black sky, which the only thing in the foreground that's black are bullet bills and the right. little beetle Bailey guys, um, which all move, which all move. So it's like super obvious that you can interact with them. So there's, 
there's like two or three, there's the level of detail, there's the color choice and then movement so that you never are confused. Like, is this a thing that if I collide with it, I'm either going to, it's going to arrest my momentum or I can stand on it or it'll kill me because it's super obvious that it's, it's there with you. It is on your plane of existence and everything else is, you know, way, way, way off in the distance. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, uh, and you know, you mentioned it. I think that all of the the only like you said, all of the black backgrounds are a single color and flat. You know, um, except for the overworld, in which case um, the bricks are always like you know brown, a little bit more detailed, like everything. You know, um, which is interesting now that I'm thinking about it, because like even when the overworld turns white, right in World Five dash whatever, right like where it's 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 theoretically like a snow world i guess or whatever that was supposed to represent yeah i actually have no idea what that's implying me either <laughs> but they changed the background to black yes they did because because the foreground was a little bit flatter you know because they didn't i guess and it may just be that they just did not have as many whites to work I, with i think there are shades of gray but the shades of gray by are definition gray. yeah they can't pop the way contrasting colors would pop because the brown brownish red bricks against a blue sky is going to pop way more than gray does against anything right because it's gray yeah <laughs> i mean unless you had 50 shades of it it just isn't going to nope, pop nope, out nope nope, nope um <laughs> so another thing just while we're talking about colors specifically is i there was something that was bugging me and i i didn't think to articulate this while we were playing together but I was like transcribing my notes from my chicken scratch onto our Google Doc. And (laughs) I was like, there's just something about the color that's been bothering me. Oh, wait. The original Super Mario Brothers is like the only Mario Brothers game that is pre-Crayola crayon colors. Because when they brought uh, Super Mario Brothers 2 to the US and it was actually Doki Doki Panic, Doki Doki Panic was like super bright colors. And then Super Mario 3 is a stage play, so it's super bright colors. And then Super Mario World is like supercharged, super bright colors. Like it's really turned up to 11 and and it's been that way ever since. And I I know they could have chosen brighter colors when they made the original Super Mario Brothers, so I don't think it was necessarily a limitation. I think they either hadn't decided to make everything candy-coated or they by the standards of the time, maybe those colors were candy coated and then later <laughs> they had to ratchet it up. But I was like, everything is so pretty and everything is really clear and I'm, I'm really able to determine what it is I'm supposed to be doing and what I have to worry about and what I can ignore. But there was just something about the colors that was bothering me. And I was like, oh, because compared to Super Mario World or even Super Mario 3, they're just they're muted. Like they're really, really muted, but only compared to those games within just the frame of super Mario world. It's very bright and colorful or super Mario brothers. It's very bright and colorful. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, all the colors are definitely a little bit more muted, but you know, like you said, they may have just have not picked an aesthetic, but again, you know, the, the colors do absolutely serve gameplay. I mean, even little things like with contrast where, you know, and again, I'm not, a hundred percent sure that they, you know, did this intentionally, but I'm going to say they did it intentionally. Right. (laughs) Is, is so, um, you know, most of the time, like you have like the hammer brothers, right. Or, or things like that. Right. When they're throwing their hammers, most of the time it's against a, you know, blue background. Right. Mm. So those hammers are pretty clear and easy to see. Um, and then like 
when they're they're not when they're up against like a black background they turn you know like gray so they are actually a little bit harder to see that doesn't happen until way later you know right and so, i think in world eight you also see them uh in front of like the brick background like the the castle bricks not the ground mm-hmm. bricks um which is like the middle step right like oh yeah. here they're a little bit harder to see and then later they're going to be almost impossible to see Right, but by then you're familiar with the arc and all that sort of stuff. So you know it's and again it's 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 teaching. It's teaching you through the visuals. It's teaching you. That's all this game does is 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 teach. You know, and so when you die, it's your fault. <laughs> um, I also just loved the, uh, or you know we've we've spoken about this in a number of different games where like there's good palette swapping and bad palette swapping, <laughs> and so this game is is a mechanics driven game i mean like the story is you know like rescue princess defeat bowser like if if the entirety of the plot can be summed up in one sentence it's not a it's not a story driven game you Mm -hmm. know so so like when um so basically when they're coming up with visuals and also sort of stuff and 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 it's it's common knowledge that this game like really pushed the wrapper for what they could actually put in the game to where they were like cutting bizarre corners that you don't even notice, but if they're cutting those corners, they weren't doing it for funsies. They were doing it because this game was as full as it could possibly be. So when they do these palette swaps, they did it in a way where the world really does feel different. But again, it's just, it is just a palette swap. Like the um, one where you go, like I said, it's like, I think it's world five where like everything's gray and against a black background. You're like, Oh my gosh, it's weird and new and different even though it's like, no, they just, they, it's all the same assets. They just changed the color of them. But then they also, because of where they put it and the fact that it is mechanically very, more, very much more difficult. It really does sell that the world is like, this is, this is a colder, darker, worse world. You know? I mean, even just a, I don't know, level world six, maybe like where it's basically all the same foreground assets, but a black background. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, basically the only difference. But you, there's no green hills, um, so you, you feel you're in this more, like, harsh, you know, stone, gritty environment where it's just, like, red bricks in, in all directions. But that's all you've been staring at. Like, it's the, right. it's the same friggin' thing you've been seeing, you know, the entire game. It's just that because it's in contrast to the blue background, you're like, oh, man, things have gotten very, very real it's like if we just took level one and gave it a black background, you'd be feeling the same way. But that's what's impressive about it. That's what's clever is they trained you on friendly blue skies. Yep. And then they're like, ooh, scary black skies. And you're like, ah, oh, scary black skies. And it's, it's, I mean, yeah, the levels are harder, but a part of the reason they feel different is just that. I mean, it's like uh, one of my favorite things I love to throw in the face of wine snobs. Um, don't at me, wine snobs. Um, is uh, they've done a couple of studies where they just like put red food coloring into white wine, and all of a sudden it tastes totally different. And it's like, no, you actually just had two glasses of the exact same white wine. And yep. but but there's if you're doing that on purpose, like not to just piss off somebody who's a wine snob, but like using that psychological trick to effect, like it's done here. That's tremendous. Like, how awesome is that as a developer when you're like, okay, we want this world to feel ominous. Well, instead of tiling the color blue in the background, we're going to tile the color black and ominous happens. Incentivize that employee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and, and again, like you said, you know, the fact that they did it later on, like if they started with the super ominous one, if they flipped them, it would have been like, well, uh, why, why is <laughs> thing 
Why, is the, why are things getting less real? You're actually running from, like, Bowser has won and you are fleeing the Mushroom Kingdom. This, so the further braid? you get, like- yeah, it's braid. The further you get, <laughs> like, the nicer the sky is, everything's fine. Well, and and so with all that, and, and also to touch on that, though, just imagine, and listeners, close your eyes, especially if you're driving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, just imagine how much more flat and uninteresting the game would see if they didn't do that. You know, oh, definitely. If, if World Five wasn't, you know, gray and black, it was, you know, the same color as everything else. If World Eight wasn't the normal foreground against a black background, it would be like, okay, so because then it would feel less like a world and more like a game, you know, because it feels like you're moving and as you're getting closer and closer to this big bad thing, the world is changing and turning on you a little bit, you know. Whereas if it was all the same stuff, you'd be like, oh, well, now I'm on, you know, world eight. I'm almost up the top, the tower. And then you just would have, that would have been it, you know. Well, and from a, a teaching aesthetic as well, if you want your players to kind of remember like, oh, because I think in the, the, let's just say it's world six, the one that's all gray, like there's a lot more platforming. Like that's one of the worlds that's like almost all those like T-shaped platforms. Mm-hmm. And so telegraphing that through color means the second you see the very first screen your brain is already kind of like getting your thumbs ready for those platforming jumps right and just like when you see the underwater levels or you see the the underground levels the the colors and the slightly different positioning of uh certain platforming elements immediately tell you oh you're in world three or six or eight or whatever so Get that part of your muscle memory fresh and ready to go because this is what's happening. It would probably be a dramatically harder game if all of the platforms and all the obstacles were um, exactly laid out as they are now, but it was all the same tiles as World 1-1, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, it It. It would be substantially harder. Um one of the other things that that I thought was very interesting, because normally during visuals is when we speak about the hitbox, is I'm so I think glad that, we're going to this. <laughs> I I actually thought that the hitbox and and this may just be you know because one of the things that that I struggle with sometimes is that if it what if a game is like a six or better, I am. I tend to be a little bit more, so acknowledge your biases. I tend to be a little bit more forgiving with it, you know, <laughs> than like if a game's like a three. And and most of it's just kind of, I mean, the same thing with like, you know, even people where it's just kind of like <laughs> if somebody is just a train wreck all the way down and you see another instance of them being a train wreck, you're like, well, this is just them being a train wreck because they're a train wreck. Not this person is an upstanding person. And then there's this one minor thing. You're like, well, maybe, maybe they're actually doing that for a reason, you know, that I'm just not familiar with. Um, okay yeah so you're talking about there's a difference between noticing a blemish which i think is like a white wall with a single pockmark on it you're mm -hmm. a lot more more likely to notice that because it's otherwise unblemished whereas a like a jackson pollock you don't notice every individual (laughs) paint splotch because you're not supposed to but i think what you're alluding to is almost you see the white wall with the single pockmark and because the entire wall is so pristine you're like wait is that supposed to be there maybe that's Basically. supposed to be there yeah no i mean it's it's, it's exactly that where i'm just kind of like i mean because again especially if it was like that wall was painted by you know like 
the, so, the, let's say Michelangelo. He he yeah, painted some buildings. Yeah. Yeah, like Michelangelo painted a painting and there was like a single blue dot out of place, you know, I'd be like, maybe I'm wrong, you know. So anyways, <laughs> all that being said, the, the hitbox felt very reasonable, fair, appropriate. There were, and, and we can both speak to it, a number of times where both of us were playing where we were like, oh, that was generous, you know. Incredibly <laughs> generous. Yeah, where we were both like, ooh, really? Like, you, you're giving that to me? I totally thought I would have died. But. There was never a time when I got laid out where I was like, that was that was garbage, you know. And so I think that because we both played this game a number of times and there's so much of it, you know, that as we were playing it where we were like, oh, no, I, I definitely got that where we hit that razor thin edge. To, <laughs> it was like the coyote physics of the game where like you hit that where you notice that you hit that that razor thin edge. And, and then, you know, there, it kind of like breaks the illusion a little bit where you're like, games being a little bit more generous than it should be but i'm okay with it see and that that is exactly the part that i got hung up on is uh when your mario sprite passes through like your head like passes through an enemy sprite or your you know feet or whatever like just as you're jumping and the game's like nah we're, we're gonna give it to you you're fine that i prefer i mean don't get me wrong i hands down prefer if you're going to let the sprites collide and not count it as a hit, I'm like, okay, like, thank you for letting me focus on enjoying it as opposed to punishing me for, you know, two pixels overlapping. That being said, I wish there was a way to not even let me know that that happened because it Mm -hmm. does, as you said, break the immersion just a little bit when it's like, yeah, that squid thing definitely passed right through my face. So unless yeah. it's some kind of like ethereal squid, I don't know why it passed right through my face. And and now you're thinking about the game as opposed to playing like just like right. living it, right? You're you're examining it as a piece of art as opposed to experiencing it. And I know that's very like pish posh, but um that that is like I did notice it, right? Like every single I mean it's our freaking job to critique these things. So right. when something actually makes me like critique my critique where I'm like aware that I'm aware of it, I'm like, oh, no, this is I'm too many levels outside of experiencing <laughs> the game now. So, and, and that was something I found happened a lot to the point where I agree with you. I do not think it was a mistake. I think Michelangelo put that blue dot there so that people would stare at it and wonder why that blue dot is there. <laughs> Right. And that's the thing is that because honestly, I, I could come up with a number of different theories as to why this was best guess, though, is that they knew at the time they were mostly marketing to young, a younger audience, you know, so they were like, if we make this and and it was the first the first step to something that we see game developers use all the time now, which is if we make this fair, perfectly fair, it will not feel fair. Yes, you know? correct. And so that's the thing is I think that they kind of erred on, okay, well, we're not, because I think once they, because probably what they did is they made the hitbox exactly Mario, you know, like if you touch a bad guy, it, you know, you're done, right? And then everybody said like, this, this is, this is insanely hard, you know, and they were like, <laughs> all right, well, let's reel it back up. Like, even if they just reeled it back a pixel, you know, there would still be those edge cases where you definitely feel you should have died. But in a sense, I almost feel that that speaks to the, how, fair the game feels not how fair the game is because the game like every single time when you're you expect the game to be perfectly fair that's how good they have built it out to feel that way 
right? So Agreed. that way, when it, when once in a while, when you do hit that thing where you just get to peek behind the curtain a little bit, and you're like, that wasn't fair. That <laughs> was in my favor. So I'm going to let it go, you know? Yeah. And and if the player is going to become aware that fairness has been violated, I think it should almost always be in their favor because yeah. I don't, I can't think of a good justification off the top of my head for why you'd go the other direction. And this isn't, this is a reason it's not a good reason, but if you're making one of those like hardest game ever games where there's a bunch of things that you couldn't possibly have planned around or predicted or even reacted to, you just have to eventually memorize that that's what's going to happen. I guess then maybe like your hitbox randomly changes size and you just have to be aware <laughs> of it would be something you might incorporate into your game. But in basically any other circumstance outside of that insanely specific case, yeah, if if you're going to let two sprites collide and not have it kill me, okay. But if you're going to have me be noticeably not in contact with another sprite and have it kill me, probably never okay. Well, and and what it's because what it's going to be is it's not going to be that it's going to be your pixel did actually touch that pixel for a amount of time that you would be unable to realize. Sure. And then it would kill you, and that would not feel fair. And I can th- I can actually think of one that I would ne- I, I wouldn't I, I, I kind of want to play this game like that I'm thinking <laughs> of right now that I'm making up in my head. If you did one based in the Cthulhu mythos where you did crap like that to the player, that I think would be be the appropriate use of it. You know. Where like you occasionally err not in the player's favor, so that way it actually makes them think like like you're super fair, right? And then all of a sudden you're a little unfair against the player. That would make them question their like like that would make them very frustrated and emotionally uneven, which I think would put them in the appropriate place for like a Cthulhu Mythos game. Yeah, I mean uh, you could do lots of interesting things where it's like oh, I mean just take Mario. Like we're gonna make Mario super unfun, and every <laughs> every level a you know it does a random number generator you know one through ten and five is the normal mario hitbox less than five is a smaller hitbox where you're harder to kill and more than five is you know a larger hitbox where things kill you even when they haven't actually crossed into your 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 sprite your visible sprite like yeah that kind of thing would be insane because you would just you would learn to be terrified all the time because you would never know which hitbox you had Right, and that's and that's the thing, you know. So, and, and, uh, and, and this is not that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mar- Mario is not Cthulhu, nor nor should it be. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the thing is you, you you always want the game to feel fair. And I think if I remember correctly, there was definitely one one time when we were playing where I was like, "And there's the coyote physics." Or, <laughs> We're like, I, I was just run, 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 jump. And I was like, oh, no, I did not jump soon enough for that. But again, you know, if not for the fact that I was that we were both keeping like a an eye out to critique this, I would have just been like, oh, man, that was close. Whereas, you know, I was like, no, I, I did not make that, yeah. you know. No, I, I agree again, completely. And and this is, you know, I, I think we've patted Nintendo pretty hard on the back generally for like their first party stuff. And I mean, this this is one of many examples of just how thoughtful they are like hey sometimes the hitbox is going to go in favor of the player oh you mean so sometimes the hitbox will be wrong that's not what i said sometimes <laughs> it's going to go in favor of the player it will never be wrong in the other direction right um so yeah uh honestly um aside from and 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 we'll put links in the show notes for this but 
Um, but no, I mean, if if you guys if you guys like this podcast, just go out and and Google any number of different things on because many other people with much better eyes than than I um have, than than we have have done all of the different like awesome little things they did to save space on the visuals like the clouds and the bushes are the same thing you know like the fact that the goombas and the uh, mushrooms are basically palette swaps you know so i mean if you're if you're interested in that just uh, like i said like because you know i i don't know what else you have for visuals but if we if we went into that if we went down that rabbit hole we'd be doing this for three hours so oh yeah no i mean there's you, tons of stuff like that the, i can i can essentially promise you that at major universities all around the world in art and computer science and game design they are studying super mario brothers not because it is the pinnacle of these techniques but because it's a very consumable example like someone who does not care about video games or who does not care about art or who does not care about computer science can still watch a youtube video about like here's all the clever things they did to make super mario fit on a nintendo cartridge and you'd be like damn that was cool like it's because it, it was a level of programming sophistication that's more digestible. Like if you if you watch the same kind of thing for like, here's how they made the the skin look so realistic in Call of Duty ninety seven, it'd be like, I don't okay, magic. I I guess. Yeah. Well, it's actually um, and this is slightly tangential, but why I've heard a number of good uh, people say if you want to get into game design, like video game design, start with board games because there's nothing going on under the hood all of the mechanics mm. everything is is there for you to see so you can very easily see how the mechanics play off of each other you know how they incentivize player behavior and all that sort of stuff and so that's i think why mario stands out so well in that sense is because unlike in you know borderlands where there's just so many things that the, the physics engine alone can be doing under the hood that is so hard to pick out it's like no it's it's really straightforward you know it's really easy like you said really easy really digestible yeah know? i mean to the point where originally they just literally called him jump man because that's yep. what he did um <laughs> but we we need to talk about the audio and i assume most people are like oh well the original super mario brothers audio like obviously that's one of the greatest soundtracks ever made and I agree, but I'm going to go right to my complaint. Nin <laughs> Nintendo, and I mean, I understand why they did this, so I, I'm not knocking them, but in hindsight, it feels weird, or in hind sound, mm. I don't, hind listening, I don't know how this one works, <laughs> in past listening, it's, yes. it's, if you, like, if you pause the, the podcast right now, and you hum the uh, Super Mario Brothers, like World One One sound, you know, overture, like do 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 do. I just want you to know there there is a strong part of me that just wanted to drop like a bunch of f bombs in a row to make you censor me with the Mario music, but I held off. Yeah, I don't really know why. I appreciate your commitment to the PG rating that iTunes enforces on us. But yeah, if if you imagine that song in your head i guarantee you the vast majority of the time you have heard that song in this game that is not what you were hearing because nintendo historically like over their entire lifespan has never been known for pushing the limits of graphics technology they have always had beautiful looking games but it was never cutting edge except maybe in the like nintendo era but then 
I mean, the Super Nintendo had powerful hardware, but it wasn't the most powerful hardware that was available. And then from there, they just fell off a cliff. The N64 was nowhere near the most powerful. The GameCube was nowhere near the most powerful. The Wii was nowhere near the most powerful stuff that was available on the market. I'm not even... Because I people love to argue like, well, you know, the PS2, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, shut up. I don't care. It had Metal Gear Solid. But, <laughs> but, but what really matters to me is that Nintendo has always pushed the boundaries of music. And I think you can see that going back to the original Super Mario Brothers because the music is absolutely amazing. And anytime anything generates a noise in the game, it impacts the instruments that are playing the background music because they are literally using 100% (laughs) of the Nintendo's sound card power to drive this very, very rich score. And every sound effect then pulls a random instrument out of the score. So like if it's a high pitched sound effect, like a coin, you'll lose like maybe the melody out of, out of the, the overture. If it's something like a brick breaking or like, uh, there aren't a lot of low noises um maybe like the thunk of like hitting a coin box that's done mm-hmm. um you'll lose like the baseline out of the overture and it's it's really really freaking disorienting once you notice it like it is totally it was totally a glass shattering moment for me when i was just like why does this song sound so bad oh <laughs> because they literally can't help it and i i think they did the right thing it's it's weird when you like stop to really really focus on it. Like you close your eyes and listen. Like I was cl- I had my eyes closed and I was listening to you play the game and I was like, this sounds horrible. Like it it sounds like that YouTube video of the guy playing the Jurassic Park theme on the pianica. Like it just sounds so <laughs> freaking awkward. But I don't think you are likely to notice that, and you are almost definitely likely to not care about it if you are the one playing. Yes, I, I I agree with that because I I didn't notice it, but um, uh, no, I think that it uh, I agree with that because <clears throat> excuse me, um, when you hit those things, when you interact with the environment in that fashion, right, you are actually focused on the sound effect happening, right? Totally. So when you're collecting coins, you're just like your brain says, like I'm collecting coins, and so it doesn't even like pay attention to the fact that some of the music's dropped out because your brain is actually honing in on the mechanics based sound effect right so i think that that's i mean one could make the argument and i don't I, I think that honestly what happened was they were like look we've got you know this much processing power this much audio you know to deal with and we want we want it all you know and so this is this is the best way we can go about doing that so um and and you you had some other notes about like the the song length that they did um which we can get to in a second but uh yeah, but I, I really think that, you know, um, to have some of the to have the music become less engaging when things are happening that require your engagement was the way to go, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's and because the alternative, I suppose, would have been, well, if we can only play so many sounds at the same time, uh, we'll just make all the songs worse so that the full song is always playing even when there's sound effects happening and that i mean that would be a tragedy like this is some of the most influential i'm not even going to say best but it is no question some of the most influential video game music ever written so to say like what would the world be like if they had skimped on it it's like i don't know 
<laughs> what would the world be like if the sky wasn't blue? Like it, smash it be... cuts to like this like shelled out post apocalypse. <laughs> you know, it's like like if only Mario had the, the appropriate sound. And actually, I, I would liken it to you know somebody saying like, "Here's the thing, man. Every every night when you go home and eat, right, you are going to have a five course dinner, except for when they feed you at work." Then you got to go home and eat whatever you packed for lunch, right? But when that doesn't happen, beautiful dinner, or you you, you just get kind of mediocre dinner all the time. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, I'd, I'd much rather have the amazing music playing whenever there's not something else that needs to be pulling my attention than having mediocre music playing throughout. You know, yeah. and and this is why I say that most players are not likely to even notice that this is happening because of exactly what you said. Like when there's a sound effect that's interfering with the music, the thing I care about is the sound effect. When I am just sitting there looking over my shoulder to see if I'm going to miss the school bus or not, like then nothing's happening. So I'm hearing the full orchestra. Like I'm hearing the full soundtrack because I'm not interacting with, you know, Goombas or pipes or picking up coins or whatever. So it's, it, it seems I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it is the same corner cutting that they did in graphics places, but it's they were cutting corners because they were like, this is the experience we want to deliver, and we are going to do it, even though the hardware super does not want <laughs> us to do it. Like, we are going to make it happen, and it's really hard to fault somebody for that. Like, yeah, would it have been better if the sound effects could have just played over the music and the music just, like, ducked a little bit so you could hear the sound effects clearly? Sure. And is that what they did later? Yes, it is. But at the time, <laughs> they couldn't do that. So, like, it's I can't honestly say, like, oh, I would want crappier music. But I will say, once you hear it, it is very, very hard to unhear. That's like bad kerning. Like, once you once you see it, you know, once somebody teaches you to point out, you you hate that person a little bit for pointing it out to you. Yeah, dude, the the ultimate example of bad kerning. And if you Google this, you can actually find it. And this is not a fake thing. This place was around the corner from where I grew up. There was a video rental chain that had like, I don't know, five or six locations. And it was called Megaflix. And, mm. all, and all the letters were very like 80s rounded, like laser letters, like pew, pew yeah. letters, Megaflix. Well, when you put a rounded L... And a, a sans serif I right next to each other with no space in between them. It really looks like a U. Nice. Yeah. So they were just like driving nice. around my hometown. There were just these giant green neon signs. Yep. And 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 I'm sure, you know, as you got older, you just drove by and went. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I mean, the second you know what that word means, you cannot help but be like, eh. those signs <laughs> probably caused car accidents because people were <laughs> laughing at them. But it, it's it's one of those things that your brain latches onto that. And once you see it, it never says Megaflix again. Not for all of time will that ever say Megaflix again. And now I kind of like that as a litmus test for parents. Like now I'm picturing like, you know, you and your dad driving by that every day on your way into school or the way back from school or whatever. And then, you know, like one day, like you look over and you go, <laughs> he goes, who taught you that word? <laughs> exactly right. Like no, no, no questions of clarity to make sure he knows what I'm laughing at. Like it, it was Jim, wasn't it? Jim said it. I knew it was him. I never liked that kid. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the one other thing I will say about sound that it, this is this is like a gripe, 
but it just it bothers me a little bit that when you get hurt is the same noise as the pipe yeah and and we 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 discussed that and because then that caused me to say like well how many sound effects are there total in this game you know and so then we went through it and i think we managed to come up with um about Uh, seven it's like around a dozen yeah because i think it was there's pause jump coin um brick bullet bill um you know like you know like there's just not goomba flames yeah um but that whoop yep (laughs) but uh but all that being said um I, I agree with you that having anything that makes the same sound of you getting hit is not ideal. That being said, the visuals between those two things could not be more different. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they probably relied on that a little bit. I mean, it, honestly, it could have just been a thing where they were like, oh, we really need a sound for them going down these tubes. I, <laughs> I don't know, dude. We're we're already maxed out on sound. Like the sound guy's already sweating bullets from everything he's had to do and clutch to like get this amazing like soundtrack in there, you know. So it's like, just I don't know, just 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 the same one as when when you get hit. And oh and man, also- we need one more sound. No, there's no room. No, come on, just one more sound. No, I'm serious. There is literally no more room. You're going to have to reuse <laughs> a sound or have no sound for this. Which sound do we use the least? The pipe sound. <laughs> when actually i had one other thought um about this where i was like this and i don't even know if this was something they thought about but it was something where i was like you could make this argument where um they are the same sound however um the pipe sound is one that you make happen and the hit sound is one that happens to you that's true and if you really want to start to stretch the philosophy of the pipe sound uh you i think <laughs> that, you could that say, needs like, to be our book <laughs> <laughs> The philosophy of the pipe sound. The, that'll be uh, that'll be like one of the spinoff or sequels to um, our like Doctor Mario Dr. project Mario. management book. Yep, yep. That. <laughs> but the uh, when you go down the pipe, Mario visibly like goes down on the screen. When you get hit, Mario visibly goes down on the screen because he shrinks. Like you go from being tall Mario to being short Mario. So it's. I mean, that's a pretty tenuous connection. I'm not going to lie, but like you could make an argument that that is a connection. Like that is a reason it's better than any other random noise in the game. That is true. And uh, and unless you have anything else for sound, I, I, I'll say that the fact that the game is <laughs> is so good that like th- these are like the downsides. Like, oh, you know, one of the downsides is that these two sound effects are the same. Like I would have. I would have prayed to any god that would have listened for some, from some of the games that we played to have <laughs> that problem, you know? Like No, agreed. And and this is the thing. It's like I'm not looking for things to complain about, yeah. but I'm trying to be fair that if something stood out to me as like it irked me or just like rubbed me the wrong way, I'm like, well, I sure would have crapped all over Home Alone 2, lost in New York for 90 minutes. So I should pro- <laughs> I should probably be honest about Super Mario Brothers. Um but I will say uh, my my last kind of thing with sound, and, and we've said this with a few other Nintendo games, is like, by which I mean like first party Nintendo games, not necessarily the Nintendo. Um, mm-hmm. It's just the sounds like the crisp, man, like they're the classic. Like when you think of what it sounds like to pick up a coin, there's a really good chance you are imagining the original Super Mario Brothers sound because it's changed a lot in the intervening 30 years, but less than you might think. Like the way Super Mario Brothers looks has changed 
orders of magnitude, but that coin sound somehow is almost the same as it ever was. It's just like, it's like crisp and nice. And like the, the fire sound when you're in uh, like world four or level four of a world and, and Bowser's like shooting fire at you. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's that like rumbly, like kind of crackling fire noise. Like the sound effects are just like, they're, they're good. Like they feel good. Even the, the, uh, uh, like the, the mushroom, and it like the you know I'm not even gonna try and impersonate the, the it because growing noise yeah the the blah 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 um yeah, it's uh yeah no that beautiful. was that, it was perfect um <laughs> but that's uh it's just it's good like it's just really good and and that's another sound effect that I think anytime they make a new Mario game they probably have like almost like a style guide like if you're going to make a new version of that sound, like for this new hardware, it still needs to invoke this exact same feeling. It probably has to be certain notes. It probably Mm -hmm. has to, you know, play in like a certain frequency range. Like it's just, oh man, it's good. Like good. Yeah, no. And and I agree. I think that honestly, like (laughs) if, if I picked up a penny off the ground and went like that and somebody said like, why'd you make that sound? It's like, because that's the sound that, that it makes like, you know, it's not, you know, like, oh, because it sounds good. Oh, because it reminds me of Super Mario. It's like, no, that is the sound that coins make when you pick them up. Like, it, it is 65 degrees outside, and that is the sound that coins make <laughs> when you pick them up. Like, that is, it is just a fact, you know? <laughs> no, I'm with you. And and that, but, that that's kind of my, my feelings on the sounds in general. It's just like, and the music, it's just, it's, I know you have your, your horrible chocolate ideas, and I'm infinitely sorry, but no one short of someone who was born deaf could not enjoy this score and these sound effects. Like they're just, I've said it before. They're charming. They're charming. Yeah. And more importantly is they certainly hold up. Like even with like an APIS system. Whoa, you know, still... whoa, man. Don't people have been on the edge of their seats. Don't, I know, give, right? don't give it yeah. away. I didn't say it all held up. I said just the sound did. Okay. That's fair. I mean, clearly from our discussion of the visuals, visuals just terrible. Yeah, Awful. No, yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, it was very a uh, two-sided story back there in visuals. <laughs> um, and but let's, let's talk about controls and mechanics. So, okay, so literally the first note I have for controls and mechanics is everything you need is in level 1-1. One, one. Oh, I'll, everything you I'll, need to... I'll do you one better. Everything you need is in the, I set the controller down to take a sip of my Coca-Cola <laughs> and it started playing, but you go and we'll see if we, we both have the full set of rules. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I didn't enumerate all of the, the rules or anything. And I do agree that it's all there in the I set my controller down. The reason why I think it's important the, the, mm, the reason why I think it's important that it's all there for you, the player, is because one, you can't rely on the player to walk away and have it all there, you know? Like Oh, you mean watch the little thing. Yeah, you can't right. you can't rely on somebody to to watch the cinematic. And two, it's a lot it's a lot easier to make a scripted cinematic where everything happens that you need to have happen versus creating mechanical boundaries in which everything that ha- you need to have happen happens you know Agreed. Um, and to be fair they the designers obviously also agree with you because the scripted cinematic is just like the first 200 feet of world one one so it's not like they show you this dainty uh practice space in which to learn the game mechanics that you the player never get to live in that is exactly what the first thing you do is is this perfect dainty practice space yes absolutely and um and again if we if we talked about all of the little nuances that they do to 
not only make sure that you get that you get all this information, but to force you without feeling like they're forcing you to get all this information. This would be, you know, 50 years long, right? Uh, <laughs> that being said, um, I would like to recommend uh, if you go, um, if and we've mentioned them before, the guys who do extra credits are awesome, amazing, and very, very good at what they do. And they actually did a video on Design Club on like the first minute of this game. And uh, and it was just world shattering the amount of like thought and effort they put into it. But just to gloss over it in a in a neophyte way, um, you know, they show you the power up system. They show you, um, you know, like that what you can and can't interact with. They show you going down pipes. They show you jumping. More importantly, they show you the fact that when you jump and hold the jump button, you jump higher than if you just tap the jump button which is not necessarily an intuitive mechanic because they put things in your way where you have to learn that. Like you, it's a gating mechanic, right? And also they show you that if you run first and then press and hold the jump button, you jump even higher, you know? All of that, all of that, everything you need to know to clear every other level is in World 1-1, which is the tutorial stage, you know? And then the other awesome thing that they do is that if you've played the tutorial stage, you don't need the tutorial stage, like a third of the way through it, there's a pipe that gets you past it. It lets you cheat past it. It just gives you a bunch of coins and then puts you at the end of the tutorial stage, which you don't feel like you're hitting skip tutorial, right? A, you can't do it. Like in many modern games, you could just hit skip tutorial. And the people who skip the tutorial are the people that normally need it the most, right? You have to have played the tutorial enough times to have dinked around with it to find this secret, Right. So they know you've played the tutorial and well enough to get the secret. It's like the, the thing of, you know, if you know enough about the game to question it, then you know enough to do it right. Kind of a thing. Right. It's <laughs> it's it's that, you know, it's it's just it's it's brilliant. And uh, and so, yeah, the fact that they've managed to cram everything that you need to know in the first minute or so of gameplay so that way they can then further increase, you know, your your skill and ability as you continue to play is just it's it's mind-blowing and fantastic yeah i mean nintendo nintendo gets unbelievable praise heaped on them for how good they are at teaching through gameplay and it's really hard to question that any of it is undeserved like apple is the quintessential like fanboy example like oh if you want to name a company that gets unlimited praise even though there are times they have hardcore screwed up Apple's a great example of that. They deserve the vast majority of the praise they get, but when they screw up, somehow nobody ever seems to remember it, and they still go on to make more money than anyone else has ever made, and it's kind of weird. (laughs) Uh, But with Nintendo, to say, like, you know, oh, well, they're just the absolute best at teaching through gameplay and designing these kinds of uh, very informative experiences that don't feel like they're talking down to you, they don't feel boring, they don't feel like something you're just desperately trying to skip, like, they... Yes, yes, they yeah. really do do that, and there are dozens and dozens of successful examples. And I'm sh- there are probably some failures, but the thing is, I can't think of one. I can't think of a first-party Nintendo game from like one of their core franchises. And the reason I'm limiting it by core franchises because like that's where you put your best talent, right? So right. like these are their best designers and their best developers and their best engineers and everything. So I can't think of a game from like the Super Mario Brothers series, or even as much as I hate Zelda 2, like, it still does the things that Nintendo is good at. It yeah, it sucks just... in some other areas, super hardcore, but, like, 
like teaching through gameplay and like more or less communicating to you what you need to do to function in the game world. It does that. Now, navigating the story of Zelda 2 is a completely different thing, but but like <laughs> how do I jump? How do I stab? Like all of those things are communicated pretty much just as well as they are in Metroid as they are in, you know, Super Mario Brothers. Um all the stabbing you do in Super Mario Brothers. So, yes. So it's it's at least all stabbing I do. So much. Um but that uh the little opening uh let's call it a cinematic. Um but the thing I like about that is there are a like two mechanics that I think are not two significant mechanics that are not shown there. Um, you don't see him go down the pipe and you don't see him. Uh, what does he not do? He breaks a brick. He gets a mushroom. He kills an enemy. He gets hurt by an enemy, which makes him small again. So that teaches you like you can take more hits and then he dies when he's small. So it's like, but when you're small, you die. Um, I guess you don't see like the fire flower or the star or swimming, but like by the time you get to those things, you've, you know what to do, you know what to try well, because they built, built up a good base, you know, cause they, they cause then like they like I said, like, in, or like we said, like in the first you know minute or so, they teach you all that you need to know about like the physics of the world that you're in. And now they're going to teach you nuanced things like how to drive a car, you know, like how to apply for a job, like these, these other mechanics they can put on because it's not they're 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 doing a good job with the amount of like mental space that you the player have to uh, you know put at this task you know so they're saying like okay the first minute or so they're going to be taking in everything so we need to make it very very easy for them to learn their stuff so then now that you've got how the world works they dump you in water and they say like okay and then for the first little bit of a water world you know like it's just basically you swimming there's no enemies there's a couple of coins to there's a ground like, as opposed to a bottomless death pit right so it just gives you time to you know kind of play around in a safe space and I'm like okay now we're gonna throw an enemy at you now we're gonna throw a pit at you now we're gonna give you actually some mechanical difficulties but the first ones are just to give you enough of a prod to actually experiment with the mechanics Right. And, um, and that's why I think that opening cinematic is <laughs> feels really ridiculous to call that a cinematic. <laughs> um, but that's why I think that even that was incredibly thoughtful because they show you all of the mechanics you need essentially to make it through the tutorial stage. And if you right. can make it to the end of World 1-1, you now know enough about how the world of Super Mario Brothers works to figure out how it is to swim and what the superstar does and how the firefly works, even though they didn't show you those things. And even though you may not have even gotten them in the tutorial stage, you now have all of the tools to dissect new things when they arrive, because they could have absolutely shoved all that crap into world one, one, or they could have had an opening cinematic tutorial thingy. That's a fake level that you never get to play in where he gets a superstar and he does this and he goes underwater and he goes, you see when you get a superstar this is what happens like all yeah. delivered through text and <sighs> yep <laughs> yeah and and they didn't do that and more importantly they didn't do that because they knew they wouldn't have to right and also so at the like you said at the end of world one one the player has all the tools that they need in order to continue to combat the game to play the game right and most importantly is the developer knows you have all of those tools and that is equally important is because the developer now says like i know that these things and speaking of like little little tweaks that they do that I just I you know I'd never really noticed until I was playing through now focused on playing like playing it um, and critiquing it was there are a couple of things that they actually do that I think are developer cheats 
<laughs> you know, like in the sense that they are they are ways to for the developer to more heavily rely on what you what you will mechanically have at your disposal, not skill wise, right? So, like for example, um, Mario, when he's small, you get the mushroom and it makes you big, and you get the fire flower and it gives you fire powers, right? You get you if you get hit, it always takes you back down to small Mario. Yes, which I'm I'm not surprised that they went on to change that in later Mario games, where you you're small, big, powered up. And then you go back through that chain. If you get hit, right. you lose your power up. If you get hit again, then you're small. Right. But that's the thing is that like, especially in this earlier stage of development, the developer need to be able to say like, I know at most, like they will be able to take one or two hits. That's it. Not up to four, you right. know? So when they walk into an area, you're like, worst case scenario, they will take a hit and they die. Best case scenario, they will take a hit, continue on invincible for a couple seconds, and then if they take another hit, they die. But that's something, that kind of discrete amount of information is much easier to program around than, like, saying, oh, well, they've got, like, they could have anywhere between 10 and 89 hit points. And, you know, like, I don't know how much damage to make these things do, you know? Or to to think about a much, much worse game, right? It's like, oh, well, they've got, you know, 10 hit points, but they've got X, like 30 mana and a spell that lets them turn mana into health maybe <sighs> you know like so do they have that spell how much mana do they have did they upgrade their mana did they upgrade their health when you upgrade those two things do they upgrade at a one-to-one ratio because if they don't then it matters you know so yeah. all of that's a nightmare to program around and because nobody's psychic chances are they don't program around it well and it comes off clunky and weird whereas this one it's like no 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 you can always at the most, take two hits. And later on, they put in some power-ups that you can only get when you're small Mario. So that means that they're saying, like, like if you are... I, I will be confident as a developer with the tools I've given you that you will be big Mario. You will be able to take two hits at this point because you either could take two hits and then couldn't get this power-up, or you couldn't take two hits, but then you could get to the power-up, so therefore you got it, and now you can take two hits, you know? Yeah, and and I think through that lens, you are absolutely right that this was not a mistake and this was a specific choice because uh, there was an area, I don't remember what world it was in, but it doesn't really matter, but there was an area where there was a question mark block that had a fire flower in it and there was an enemy right underneath it. And I was like, ooh, ooh, wait, wait, wait. Let him hit you so that you're small then get the fire flower because it's already on screen. It's already a fire flower. It can't just turn into a mushroom now, but when you touch it, it acts like a mushroom. Yeah, it does. And I remember, no, cause I remember we were, <laughs> uh, we were playing and I said, uh, yeah, I, I think I said like, Oh, when you get a fire flower and you're small, what happens? And, uh, and Sue was in the room too. And, and I think like Sue said like, Oh, it turns into fire Mario. I'm like, yeah, I think that too. Does it though? And like all, yeah, all no, three we, of us, we were, were like, all on the side of yeah, fire, go straight to fire. Yeah, yeah, go straight to fire. And like all three of us were like, well, it's so rare that that would happen too, because of exactly what you said. It's like you have to hit the block, then get small, then pick up the thing. But I was like, well, let's stress test this. And then we were all four. We we're like, really? But again, you know, it's just kind of like the developers, like, okay, no, you always go up by one level because. Again, you know, they, they they need to rely on that. And so then the thing is you want to develop for the player, not the developer. 
But that being said, you can't completely ignore the developer because then they can't make a good puzzle. You know, like if I say, hey, man, I need you to make a puzzle that is maximized to play. And you're like, I got it, man. What are some of the constraints I'm working on? Or no, 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 no constraints because we want to maximize for everybody. So anyone between the age of one and 90 can play this game with any level of education that speaks any language. Go. It's like straight straight hallway, (laughs) straight hallway, walk from point A to point B. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the thing. So you you eventually have to give the developer some affordances. And I think that they did a really, really good job picking picking their battles in a way that it feels like I remember as a kid, I never would have told you like, oh, you see, they're, they're like, realistically, I didn't have a choice here. No matter what, when I passed this point, I was going to be, be Big Mario. It wasn't until I was in my 30s and with a fair amount of video game knowledge and looking at this <laughs> game, trying to critique it, that I was like, I see what you did there, sneaky. Well, and I think it's it's worth recognizing that the fact that a power up always gives you one additional hit. So if you are small Mario and you get the mushroom, you can now get hit once before you die. And if you are small Mario and you get the fire flower, it only makes you big Mario, but the important thing is that you can only get hit once before you die. If when you had the Fire Flower, you went to Big Mario, then to Small Mario, you've widened the range of possible situations the player might be in, like how many hit points they have when they enter a given scenario. And the way they counterbalance that, instead of saying, okay, under no circumstances are we going to give you an additional hit point. So you don't get Fire fire Mario, then Big Mario, then Small Mario, then dead. You just get tall and short dead, right? right? And and the way they plan around that is having the fire flower power up it, it does not make you all powerful. Like it no. it allows you to defend yourself a little bit better, but I mean even the fireballs themselves like there can only be a couple on the screen at a time. They sort of bounce in an annoying way and you have to like think about that when you aim them. Sometimes they just bounce right over an enemy and you just totally miss and you feel like an idiot. Yep. But if it <laughs> also gave you an additional hit point you would make some of those challenges harder to account for players who showed up at that area with the additional hit point, which would make them disproportionately harder for people who only were small Mario when they got to that area. So it's, I I think balancing out the value of the fire flower with the fact that you don't get the additional hit point makes it, it's, it's really solid. Like it's really mechanically yeah. solid and it allows them to build challenges that are, they know the two scenarios you're going to enter that room as you're either small or big. If you're small, can you get a thing that makes you big or maybe get through the challenge easier? And if you're big, is the challenge proportional for the fact that you can take one damages, <laughs> you know, to proceed through the, the encounter. So it's just, well, it's smart. It's really smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it, it really is. I mean, and also the fact that, you know, um, and not to, and the, one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk a lot about this mechanic is because, you know, I've listened to a lot of vi- uh, people who, we're, we're not the first people to talk about Mario, right? Whoa. Um, yeah, I know. Mind blown world over. Um, so I, I, this is just something that I haven't heard a lot of people s- speak about too much because I've, I've seen a lot of videos on it. But um, so not only does it, it, is it nice because the fact that like so if it if the fire flower gave you an extra hit point that is widening the the skill gap between a skilled and an unskilled player and that's what challenges you can give them because if an unskilled player is walking in they could be at one third the advantage as far as just getting through the scenario versus like the most skilled player right 
Um, not only that, though, but I realized as we were playing is that so, okay, um, let's take, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, Arthur um, Knight's uh, it's a it's an nes old nes game um oh your knight. Uh, was it like knights of the round no you it's it's you you're you you start off in your underwear and then you can get like armor and then gold Ghost armor. And goblins thank you yes <laughs> and that was going to bother me if I <laughs> yes i was like super super popular game ghosts and goblins right similar power-up system right in the sense that like you get a thing can take more hits right right Here's why I think that Mario is more elegant, right? Because that's all that the mushroom really does theoretically on a, on, on a top level glance, right? Is it gives you an additional hit point, right? Being smaller is advantageous, though. It makes you harder to hit. Yes. So, so it's actually not unlike Ghosts and Goblins where it's like there is no disadvantage to having the armor. It just gives you an extra hit point, right? With this one, being having that extra hit point is good. It means you can take a hit, right? So that is definitely a good thing. However, it makes you more likely to take that hit. Yeah, like which again, twice as likely because you're like literally twice the size. Exactly. So, you know, like, so again, it just keeps drawing the gap between a skilled player and unskilled player tighter and tighter, which makes it easier and easier to develop for, which I think is just because I remember there were a couple of times I was just, I mean, actually, I think both of us at one point, because we were, we played through a couple of times. I think, the first time we played through, we just said, how fast can we get, can we beat the game? And so we warped to level four and then warped to level eight, which, by the way, we got to talk about the le- basically what it count- equips to a level select screen, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, but, but then I remember for one of our playthroughs, we both went through small like 80% of the time. And there were a couple times where I was just like flying through there and I was just kind of like, oh, man, like I, where I missed somebody by that hair of a pixel. And I was like, if I was big, that would have knocked me down. Yep. You know, and so it's just it's 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 brilliant the way that they do that. But yeah. So do you want to talk about the the level select screen? I, so I, I want to talk about that and I want to talk about what is essentially a new game plus because this is like one of my oh, beefs yeah. with yeah. the video game industry. But let's talk about the level select screen first. Yeah. So, yeah, basically the level select the way they do the level select screen, the level select in this is brilliant. Right. Because. In, in any other game, right, they might say, like, well, once you beat it, you can just pick whatever level you want to play as. And blah, 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 passwords whatever. or whatever. Right. Um, but this one, instead, they said, no, no, no. First, you always have to play level 1-1, one, one, but you can skip 80% of it, right? And then in level 2-1, you can skip 90% of that by one, getting... Two. Yeah, sorry, level 1-2. <laughs> um, you can skip 90% of that by just getting beating a hole into the ceiling and then running across the entire ceiling. And then you can choose between worlds two, three, and four, Mm -hmm. right? And then if you go to level four, right? So, so far out of the game, you've played like 5% of it, right? And if you jump to level four, you get through level four. And then in, uh, in the, this world four dash two, that gives you five or, um, I think, yeah, it gives you the rest of them, right? It gives you, yeah, there's uh, there's one warp that you can warp yourself into a corner where you can't jump to the end from there. But then there's the other, there's the other Sorry, one no, that's that's like five or six, seven, eight, or it's six, seven, and eight. Because that's yeah. the thing is, if you do the exact same thing that you did in world two, in world one, two, it will give you level five. If you do the exact, if, but if you get to see other secret, right, mm-hmm. then it gives you six, seven, and eight. Right. Those are all of the levels. All you have to have done is played them well enough to to have earned the 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 ability to bamf around wherever you want. Right. Yeah. So 
Once you, the player, figure out the mechanical password to unlock the level select screen, it's unlocked to you forever. I didn't have to like go through, play another password, look them up online, anything like that. Like the passwords are in my head because they're mechanics based, not like just like admin administrative based. And it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I I like that, and I like that it was very. When I say new game plus, it's I'm being pretty generous, but it was <laughs> it was very uh, typical of. Uh, Nintendo era games and and Ghost and Goblins is actually a good example because Ghost and Goblins was like, hey, you beat the game, beat it again, <laughs> and, and like that's what you actually have to do to get like the proper ending. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Super Mario Brothers, you get to you know eight four and you kill Bowser. It's actually Bowser this time, and then you you get to the princess instead of a toad flicking you off, and you say like, hey princess, I'm here to save you, and she's like. Cool. I have another thing I want you to do. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot like the first thing, but different in like just a couple of ways. And like, there's a, a few different like enemy placements. I think a few of the, the power ups are in like slightly different places. Like, it's almost the same game, but it's like a little bit harder because like the, the most noticeable thing is that all the Goombas are replaced with beetles, right? Which Unlike Goombas, when you jump on them, they don't disappear. They bounce around like turtles. So they continue to be a threat even after you have ostensibly, you know, killed them. They right. they can still kill you back. And <laughs> and that, that may change depending on the kind of player you are. Like maybe you're used to killing a Goomba and then standing in this area and waiting to like make a long jump or something. Can't do that with the little Beetle Baileys like marching around. So... Th- right. That small change may completely change the the gameplay for someone, and the reason this is important to me as like a a meta analysis of gaming is new game plus should exist in basically every game. There is very very few games that should not have a new game plus. Like even if they could do it, they shouldn't do it because right. why not? Like why would you not take this incredibly easy? road to extra playability of your game like every rpg at the end should let you start at the beginning either with all your stuff or all your levels or you unlock stuff faster or something like all of them should do that like give me a reason to reread the book i literally just finished reading right right i mean like uh like fight club is a good example of like i don't i don't know about the the original book but like the the movie like when fight club ends the first time the first thing you think is well, crap, I want to rewatch it and, and see right. if I can pick out all the scenes where I should have noticed that the narrator was alone and that he's actually been Tyler Durden all along. Hashtag spoilers, right? Yeah. So if you if you can bake that into your game where literally the first thing the princess does is say, that was neat, do it again. And you're like, oh man, like what? Because she calls it a new quest. Like we right. we give you a new quest and you, you only have to walk six feet in world one one before you see that the goomba has been replaced by beetle bailey and you're like ah stuff is different like now i want to play through the rest of the game and see what else is different like are other things different is it just this how big of an impact is this going to have like it's it's i don't know how difficult it is programmatically my gut instinct is it's not overwhelmingly difficult and the return on investment seems super high well especially with like you know the the mario with this one in particular is it was just basically like you said it's all of the levels were exactly the same right so basically all they had to do 
on the first broad sweep was just, you know, like make all enemy A into enemy B. Okay. Now, then they probably just went and made a quick pass and said like, okay, now make this instead of being a coin box, make it, you know, like a power up or make it a multi coin box or whatever, you know, like, and then they just went through change, 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 change. And and, because most of that, I think it's, it's like, you know, like, because they didn't ever put something where there wasn't something already. They just changed what it was. So instead of saying like, this is item a, it's like, now this is if, if game two, then, all item A's become item B's or, you know, what have you. Like, yeah, no, it's got to be super easy to do. I mean, because when you said, like, all games should do it, I was like, no, I mean, like, because my first thought was, like, well, what about super narrative heavy games? But then the first one that comes to mind is The Last of Us, and they totally have a new game plus, and it's yeah. fun. It's an, yeah, and granted, um, programmatically, the new game plus in Last of Us is probably not that much more difficult, but it is more difficult to plan around because the new game plus in last of us is specifically built into the balancing because you cannot, no matter how hard you play, you cannot become the maximally powered up Joel in one playthrough. It takes at least, I think two, maybe even three, if you want to power up all the weapons all the way, but you, you want that. Like, Especially if you play on a harder difficulty, it is really satisfying to go back through and be like, ah, nah, I got maximum listening distance, I got maximum health, I got maximum yep. healing speed, and all my guns are super powered, so the second I get them, I'm like friggin' Annie Oakley with this pistol. Like, that's really, really satisfying, but you also have to make sure that the first playthrough is possible, and that right. the last playthrough is not so easy that it's boring, right? Whereas with a game like Mario, where you just say like, oh, hey, um some of the enemies are different and that's going to make some of your playthrough different. Like that's I think easier to design for, and it's definitely easier to program in. And the thing about a new game plus, and this is why it always annoys me when a game that should have a new game plus doesn't have one is I'm like, you know what, how bad could your new game plus possibly have been that it was better to leave it out? Because if you don't like the new game plus as a player or you just never even know that it's there. Is the game fine? Is the the new game fine? Because I can ignore the plus, or I might never even discover it. But to just say like, yeah, we could have let you start over with all your levels and items, but you know, we didn't. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like literally, even if like the new game plus is just like you said, you start over with all of your levels and items, and you're basically a god, and you one hit kill everything. You're like, yeah, it'll be fun, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, to be fair, you may not play through the whole 80-hour RPG. You may play for only five, but that's five more hours than you got otherwise. And and yeah, and and, and honestly, when Peach was like, you know, New Game Plus, I was like, I, yeah, let's do this thing. And I think we actually, we played it for a while. And then I think we both said, like, we need to stop and go, like, hard reset and play <laughs> the original again because yep. we, were, we were writing down too many notes based off of, what is essentially not the core game right you know and so that that's how playable and enjoyable it is but um yeah i don't know what else you've got for uh controls all i mean I, the controls obviously i mean the controls are just they're super tight i mean i don't know what else you'd say to that like they're they're super responsive they they work really well um they you know they let you do the adjusting your jump in midair as all non-horror platformers should you know i mean the (laughs) the controls are just they're 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 good i don't know really what else there is to say about that no i mean it again master's class but i i think you know we've arrived at does it hold up and 
like so many incredibly positive game experiences, we obviously have been, you know, gushing about it for over an hour. But I think the significant thing about this question with a game of this type is not like, oh, is it as good as you remember? Why, yes, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Har, har, har is, and and we've, we've talked about this a couple other times, but this game among some of the train wrecks we've played, um, I think this puts a very fine point on when you look at a game like Call of Duty 87 or even friggin' Super Mario Odyssey, like the newest Super Mario is like, it, it's 3D. There's crap going on. You got a hat that eats people's brains. Like it's way more complicated. But I would confidently go to someone who has average or better like fine motor skills, like their thumbs work and and say to them like, hey, it's 2017 you would still probably enjoy Super Mario Brothers, even if you're not a gamer, because it's yeah. it's fun even today. And all of the stuff that makes it a classic, the reason it's, you know, you can pick up the mechanics, the reason the visuals are so iconic, the reason the music is so iconic, all of that stuff has stayed true. So not only would I be confident recommending this to someone who played it as a kid, I'd be confident recommending this to someone who does not play video games. Well, and I think that you hit it very, very aptly right there, which is that, and to 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 bring the episode back to the beginning, which will just tickle me a little bit, is that this is a great game to increase game literacy, you know, which is to say that like if somebody, like you said, if somebody's never ever played any video games before, you don't want to start them off on Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed. I mean, as much as you want to, because you want them to have those experiences, the same way I want somebody to read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's not fair to start somebody who has never read before with a book of that caliber. You start them off with, you know, some some books that don't have nearly as much going on because they can't handle that. Right. So this game, like you said, it's just it's super. The mechanics are super easy to come across. The visuals are super easy to digest. The the sound is enjoyable and helps pull you into the experience and into the moment. Um this is the this this game and games like it are the ones where you say start here. This is where your game literacy journey begins. And then, you know, play this one, play some other ones, and then once you've gotten some of that on your belt, now let's talk about some of these other masterpieces and masterworks because you can see where they kind of came from, but you've built up the mechanics and skills to uh to be literate in video games. So, with all that being said, man, um, you know, we, we, we had a good year, you know, we brought it all together. And I swear to God, if you do not let me play Legend of Zelda, I will wreak a fiery vengeance upon this world. Next episode, Zelda 2 Revisited. Nope, 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 that's it. I'm done. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. The curtain falls, the music plays. The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head. From the time that you spent Traversing the land Battling evil Fighting the darkness Just sword in hand Your memories creep in 
Yeah, have I never said that in your presence before? You have. It's still weird. 